Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, I think, you know, summer is about to give it up here to... to football a, season. Football season and a little bit cooler weather, you know, <laughs> yeah. but... Uh, it has been got, a hot summer. Got football a week from tomorrow. It's called week zero on the 24th. So. That's going to be exciting. It is. Yeah, we're looking for us Clemson Tigers I are bet really you are. looking forward to that. Hey, we are too, man. We're zero and zero right now. That's a, probably That's the really... best record we're going to have. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. What a great time of the year. And Speaking of great, we got a couple of great topics here. Um, you know, one of them is how never to run out of money in retirement. Never. Never, ever. Never, ever. We got the secret right here. We got like seven things here that you can do to make sure you have plenty in retirement. Yeah, you remember the commercial many years ago. This is going to date us a little bit, but it was uh, when E.F. Hutton talks. That's right. And everything went yep. silent. That's right. People listen. Well, we've got the E.F. Hutton of today is Warren Buffett. Right. Hey, that's true. He is and, the EF Hutton. Everybody and, listens to him. And when he speaks, people listen. So we're going to kind of dive into a really interesting topic, um, kind of the way he views um, where he is in life and just how fortunate we all are uh, when you when you really think about it. So uh, stick around for that as well. And what he could do to have a happier life. Mm-hmm. So that'll be very interesting to hear what he has to say about that. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can listen to them from your computer. Go back and listen to all the historical topics. We've covered pretty much everything multiple times, probably over the last uh, seven, seven, eight years. I also have a lot of tools on, on the website, videos and so forth, a Facebook page and a uh, Twitter handle, MoneyMD. And we'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net, or you can uh, link to us right off of our website. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the Department of Labor. And, and Steve, over the last 35 years, um, the average American worker has doubled their output. So they can do the same amount of work in an hour that it used to take two hours. So, wow. yeah, so go back 35 years and that's 1983. It's obviously, you know, before the, um, you know, before the Internet and so forth. So the tools that we have in front of us today are much more productive. And, uh, you know, so it, that means more output, which should mean lower cost for the, uh, right. for the businesses. That's what it translates into. Yeah. And more income, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's bottom line, it, it translates into higher gross domestic product, higher GDP um, and it really speaks to the amazing technology that we have in place that continues to evolve. Yes. Um, that allows us all to be more productive. And I know just here in our office, we've gotten a lot more productive. Yes, it due is. Due to technology. So, it's, uh, it's called capitalism. It is. You know, it is. And that new it, products and services and techniques and so forth. And the system works. So, um, you know, it's something to be happy about and something to be positive for the future about because I know a lot, of, it's easy to look, look at the future and think negative things about, you know, things that are happening in society, but 
you know, technology continues to make things mm-hmm. better and better and makes our lifestyle better and better as well. I was trying to be positive there. Sometimes we can have some negative financial facts, but, you know. That was a positive. That's a good one. I like one. that one. Yes. That was a good one, John. Right, hey, we'll chalk that one up to you. <laughs> no doubt. And, uh, you know, speaking of which, that brings us to our first topic, and that is how to never run out of money in retirement. That's a good thing. I mean, this is key, you know, right? This is the this is the $64,000 question um, you know, $64 million question now that people have when they get to retirement, how can I make sure I don't run out of money? It's a great topic. Um, it comes from a bottom line, uh, personal article, Jeff Yeager. And, uh, but you know, there was a, a comedian, uh, Henry Youngman. They used to tell a story about meeting with his advisors to discuss his finances and his retirement prospects. And what Youngman said, he told his advisors is, I've got all the money I'll ever need if I die by four (laughs) o'clock. Not enough. (laughs) Not enough. He wasn't too positive on on his future. Of course, you know, the prospect of running out of money, though, is is no laughing matter. Um, And he wrote a book, the guy that authored this article, How to Retire the Cheapskate Way. He asked more than 100 uh, happily retired frugal, frugal people how they plan for and manage their finances in retirement to avoid running out of money. So here were some of the winning strategies from that study. Um, the first one, though, John, was to test drive your retirement budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about this before, but yeah, many people, they wait till they're right on the cusp of retirement or even fully retired before they crunch the numbers and really put in place a realistic household budget based on the actual income that they're going to have to work with in retirement. As a result, you know, their lifestyles can change. Um, Maybe they didn't calculate things exactly right. Um, But, you know, before they know it, they could have less income once the reality really sets in. And then their newly minted budgets are quickly shelved as they return to their previous spending patterns. And that's a move that can quickly drain the resources. Yeah, and in contrast, the uh, the successfully retired people he spoke with, they often test drove their retirement budgets and, you know, the the months and the years leading up to retirement, and they experienced what it would feel like to live on those projected retirement incomes. And this allowed them to more gradually adjust their spending and kind of understand what they're getting into. And sometimes as a result of the test drive, they even decided to, to maybe postpone retirement and uh, when they, they finally did retire, their li- lifestyles changed very little because they had re- you know worked a couple more years and, and banked some more um, savings, which made it you know easier for them to stick to their, their retirement budget. So test drive it. That's a great one. It is. Another very successful strategy, though, John, is to fix your expenses to fit your fixed income. Um, so, you know, so if you speak of retirement budgets, the safest model um, is to do this, and, and, and it helps you to avoid running out of money, and it's pretty straightforward. What you do is you limit your fixed expenses, and that is the non-discretionary things like um, food, housing, health care, um, you know, any mortgage payments, utilities. You fix those expenses so that they match your fixed income, um, such as your Social Security and any pensions or annuity income you have coming in. And that way, your fixed expenses will cover, uh, your fixed income will cover those fixed expenses. Um, So even in the worst case scenario, maybe you don't have money for discretionary items, you know, like entertainment, but at least in the worst case scenario, all your fixed expenses will be covered. 
Um, so assuming you have other variable income, such as income from investments or from working part-time, then that can be allocated toward your discretionary expenses, your variable expenses, the wants, the desires that you have in your life. And, you know, if you don't use it, it can be put back into savings. So you might ask, you know, aren't any regular withdrawals from IRAs or other investments also fixed income? Well, if the assets are invested in like a no-risk, you know, CD or, or money market account, yes, that might be considered a fixed income type of uh, of asset. But normally it's not. Normally those are invested in stock funds, mutual funds, and they're variable. So you can't really count on if the market's down. You don't have to pull money out when markets are down. Um, so you want to just... You want to just fix your expenses so that they match your fixed income. That's a very safe way to do it. And then your vacations and all the extra expenses you have can be based on what you're taking out of your 401ks and your other investments in retirement. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, I like that idea a lot. Another one here, Steve, is important is don't count on Social Security alone, but also don't count it out. I mean, it's important to know Social Security was never intended to be the sole source of income for a comfortable retirement. In fact, the system was designed to replace about 30 to 40 percent of a recipient's pre-retirement income. And so today, the average Social Security check is about $1,400 per person. And if that's all you're getting, you're going to be living only a little bit above the official U.S. poverty threshold if that's your only source of income. So that's why it's important uh, you know, if you have some pensions, 401ks, IRAs, uh, other supplemental income before retiring. And that said, at the other end of the spectrum, a lot of people planning for retirement, particularly young younger people, they do discount Social Security entirely, buying into the common myth that the Social Security system is is nearing extinction. Um, I think it'll be around for for a long time. They're going to have to make some changes to it, but they could they could do that and make it whole pretty quickly, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, while the issues are, are complicated and Social Security does face some financial challenges, they're not as serious or insurmountable as a lot of people tend to believe. Um, you know, yeah, benefits may be reduced um, for those that are younger. They haven't received benefits yet, and they may be, you know, you're, it may be extended um, when you can claim full retirement age. But, you know, for most people, um, you know, we strongly believe that if you're already retired or you're approaching retirement, your Social Security certainly will be there. You can count on it and um, you know, you can pretty much count on the numbers that you're seeing on your benefit statement. Um, but if you're 20 or 30 years out from retirement, sure, you might want to discount Social Security a little bit. So Social Security is a very important piece of most people's retirement income. And I think you can certainly count on receiving that benefit if you're within five or 10 years of retirement. Um, another item here, though, um, that can help you not run out of money is to retire your debt long before you retire yourself. Like it. Um, that's very, very important. You know, Dave Ramsey talks about this. Um, you you got to get out of debt and you want to be totally out of debt before retirement. And this is a tough concept for many would-be retirees to accept. And, you know, some financial advisors, you know, even tell you, you know, it's okay to carry a mortgage into retirement. But, you know, that's really not a very safe position to be in in retirement. Um you know, it's unavoidable for some folks, but uh, but still, um, when it comes to retirement, you're in a much safer position um, to protect your, your retirement if you're totally out of debt. So what we encourage you to do is, you know, look at your mortgage. If, if you're, say, 10 years from retirement 
amortize your remaining mortgage over that 10-year period so that you're making a payment that equals paying that off before retirement. Yeah. Um, so come up with a plan if you have time. I mean, if you're, you know, two years from retirement, maybe you don't have a chance to do this and you can't really do it. And you're going to have to manage it with a, with a mortgage. But if you have the opportunity, have your debts totally paid off, including your mortgage before retirement, that's a very safe way to ensure you don't run out of money. Yeah, I like that one too. These are good. These are good. Uh, another one here uh, is uh, Medicare is a great benefit, but don't underestimate health health care costs. And you know, under current policies, most Americans turning sixty five today they qualify for Medicare health health care coverage, and uh, that's a great benefit. Um, you've earned it. You know, you put money into it for decades, but you need to understand it a little bit as well. So you know, you can breathe a sigh of relief once you're qualified for Medicare, but don't for a minute think that, that your uh, your healthcare cost worries are over. In fact, a lot of the studies out there, Fidelity did one that, that uh, estimates during, uh, you know, a couple's retirement, they'll spend over $260,000 of their own money on premiums, deductibles, and other out-of-pocket healthcare costs. So you got to know what you're getting into there because that's a big number. Yeah, it is. You know, and we talk about retirement nest egg buster, you know, um, yeah, it can really be a big expense. So you got to have a plan for that. And one of the plans would be to buy an appropriate Medicare supplement insurance policy, a Medigap policy, which covers, you know, the gaps in Medicare, the deductibles and the out-of-pocket costs. Um, and it, it's worth you to hedge your bets to do that if you can afford it. Um, there are up to 10 different types of Medigap plans, depending on your state. Um, when you're choosing those, you should factor in your projected health, of course, your lifestyle, your risk tolerance, and your ability to pay and other factors. Um, but, you know, go on the Medicare.gov website and take a look at the Medigap policies <clears throat> that are listed there. And consider whether or not that's a good solution for you to make sure that, you know, that your medical costs are covered Mm -hmm. in retirement. So that's really important. Another important item, though, is to stay active and to keep earning. Um, Staying active in retirement not only increases your quality of life, but it can help you keep the healthy, keep you healthy and reduce your medical costs. Um, It can also supplement your retirement income if, you know, like an increasing number of Americans, you choose to work part-time in retirement. A Gallup poll recently found that 60% of Americans say they intend to work part-time during at least a portion of their retirement years, and most of them are choosing to do so, um, you know, primarily just to stay active, um, not just to supplement their income. A common scenario is for uh, retirees who are under full retirement age is to work enough to at least generate about $19,000 a year, which allows them to earn that without reducing their Social Security benefits. Social Security allows you to earn about $19,000 a year without that happening. So, um, you know, and then once you hit full retirement age, there's no reduction in your benefits regardless of your earnings from job or self-employment. Yeah, and uh, last one here is uh, practice income procrastination. It's interesting. And uh, he, this uh, author said he's been a proponent of spending procrastination. That means putting off buying something today when you can buy it tomorrow instead. And, you know, sleep on it 24 hours. You may have a different feeling the next day. And, um, you know, that's good advice for anyone at any age. But in retirement, 
if you can, uh, you know, practice income procrastination, uh, it's a concept worth considering. And the idea is to delay as long as you can drawing on the funding sources that you have available, such as Social Security, IRAs, 401ks, reverse mortgages, and so forth, both to ensure that you don't outlive your resources and also to allow those resources to continue to increase in value as long as possible. So income procrastination. Never heard that, but I like that. Yeah, it's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, for example, if you postpone drawing Social Security benefits until age 70, under current policy, your monthly check will be about 32% higher than it would be if you started collecting it at age 66 and change or 67. Um, Of course, you know, most retirement accounts don't have uh, or do have an RMD that's required at age 70 and a half. But, you know, while you have to withdraw that certain amount at age 70 and a half, you don't have to spend it right away. You could take that money, you can reinvest it um, into an after-tax account, and you can allow that to accumulate. Um, or you can at least put off drawing out of your retirement plan until age 70 and a half. Mm-hmm. So delaying income as long as you can is a very powerful strategy for allowing those assets to grow, get bigger, so that you have more income later in retirement and to make sure your money lasts throughout your retirement years. So those are the uh, steps to help you ensure that you don't run out of money. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with kind of priorities. Um, Should I save for retirement or pay off my home? Not a lot of description or or details here. In Dave Ramsey speak, that would be... You know, should I should I save for baby step four, which is fifteen percent into retirement, or should I skip ahead to uh, baby step six, uh, which is paying off your home early? So, I mean, I think the answer is is if you're doing fifteen percent into retirement, for the for most people, that's a really healthy number. Uh, it depends if you have kids or not, but if you have excess paying towards the house generally is not a bad idea. We're big believers in getting out of debt. And um, if you have excess above what you need to save for retirement or kids' college, then absolutely, that's a great place for it to go. Yeah, it's great to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, (laughs) So if you can do both, that is certainly, you know, the best position to be in. But there's no doubt you got to save for retirement. Um, You you got to, that's really critical. You can't put that off to age 55. You know, so uh, so until you're doing that, I don't think you should get too aggressive about paying off your yeah, house. We do see people get that out of order, right? I mean, and, we do. Know, they want to they want to get the house paid off, which is a great goal. But you got to let the comp- compounding work and get that fifteen percent going into you know retirement accounts that can do its thing over over time. Absolutely. So anyway, good question of the week, and that leads up to our next topic here, and. That is, uh, what would Warren Buffett do different, John? <laughs> if he could, if he could do it over again, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, this is um, from uh, Marcel Suarez, um, CNBC article. And uh, if you like most people, you probably have a long list of things that you'd do differently if you had a second shot at life. That's interesting to think about. Certainly, I think we all have some regrets, but uh, Warren Buffett, I mean. He, why would he have any regrets, right? Yeah, I think I mean, most people would trade places with him. Yeah, he's he's done pretty well. But uh, in 1998, he did a he had a lecture at the University of Florida's School of Business, and an MBA student asked Buffett, "What would you do to live a happier life if you could live all over again?" 
And he said, basically, hey, this is going to sound disgusting, but the only thing would be to select a gene pool where I, where people live to 120 or something where I came from. So, <laughs> yeah. So living longer is kind of what he's what he's alluding to there. But it yeah. gets more interesting. Yeah. He says while while Buffett's answer, you know, might sound simple at first. I mean, the rest of his response kind of reveals that his personal philosophy about happiness has very little to do with longevity. So it's really not about longevity. In fact, you know, if he were given the option to go back and and live life all over again. You know, he probably wouldn't take it based on his answers. Yeah, the Oracle of Omaha took great care in laying out a scenario to illustrate how extraordinarily lucky he feels today. So he told the audience, he's like, all right, imagine a barrel, about six billion um, balls in this barrel, one for everybody on this on this uh, earth. Each ball will determine important factors like your birthplace, your IQ, your level, gender, um, skills, parents into your in your new life. So you had to start from, you know, the ground zero. So if you could put your ball back into the barrel and then took out a hundred balls at random and you had to pick from one of those, um, would you put your, your ball back in? He asked. In addition to not knowing which ball you'll get, there's another catch. Of those hundred balls, five of them will be American. So if you want to be in this country, you only have five balls to choose from. Half of them will be women, half men. Half of them will be below average in intelligence and half above average in intelligence. So it's kind of an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, it is. You know, I think he, he puts it in a great perspective there with that example. He asked students, you know, again, do you still want to risk taking a second shot at life? Um, you know, most of you won't want to put your ball back, he said. So, you know, what you're really saying is, I'm the luckiest 1% of the world right now sitting in this room, you know, the top 1% of the world. Mm -hmm. Do I want to do I want to take another shot at this yeah. and risk, you know, yeah. not being in the top 1%? It's a great way to look at it and that's exactly how Buffett feels. He said I'm lucky to be born where I was. It was uh, 50 to 1 in the United States when I was born, and I've been lucky to be wired in a way that, in a market economy, pays off like crazy for him individually. And Buffett acknowledged that not everyone is as lucky as he is um, because it all depends on the system that one is born into. Uh, Bill Gates um, says that if you had been born three million years ago, you would have been some animal's lunch. <laughs> he said, <laughs> That's he right. says, you can't run very fast, you can't climb trees, and you can't do anything. You just be chewed up the first day. <laughs> so yeah, it is part, it is. I mean, it's a great way to look at our lives. I mean, not everything's perfect in our lives, but gosh, when you put it in this perspective, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it does kind of bring it home, you know. And he closes his lecture by encouraging everyone to think about happiness from a more practical standpoint, you know, I mean, none of us can live our life all over again, but we can increase our overall happiness by choosing to make changes in our career, our goals, our finances, our health and our relationships. And it's never too late to make changes either. Yeah, the, the way to do it is to play out the game and do something you enjoy all your life. He said, be associated with people that you like. Uh, he says he only works with people that he, he likes to work with. If he could make $100 million with a guy who causes his stomach to churn, he'd turn him down. Now, that's because he's worth a, a lot a lot of money. He's worth <laughs> more than $100 million. Yeah. That's right. So he continued. He's like, uh, you know, I urge you to work in jobs you love. Uh, you're out of your mind if you keep taking jobs that you don't like because you think it'll look good on your resume. 
Uh, do what you love. It sounds easy when you're one of the world's richest people, but to be fair, Buffett was always already doing what he loves long before it became successful. So, yeah. uh, you know, good, good, good discussion on being, you know, reflective a little bit on where you are in your journey and you can always make changes and, and do some different things. And I actually think he's a good person to put us in perspective because, you know, he doesn't live at his pay level. You yeah. know, I mean, if you see where the car he drives and the house he lives in, he lives life like a, a pretty ordinary person, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of amazing because most of these people that you see, you know, the Jeff Bezos of the world and, you know, Bill Gates. I mean, they, they have multiple mansions, you know, spread all over the United States and they might preach at you about being happy, you know, without without having a lot of money. But uh, but 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 Warren Buffett really lives that kind of lifestyle and he really puts things in perspective. You know, it doesn't take an inordinate amount of money to be happy. Um, you know, you just want to, you don't want to be a slave to your money. You don't want to be a slave to debt. That's what Dave Ramsey's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to put yourself in a good position where you have some choices in life. You're not always chasing, you know, your next, your next paycheck and, and to make your next mortgage payment. Just, you want to get yourself out of debt, get yourself in a good position to where you have more income coming in than you're spending, regardless of what that is. And, and you can pursue happiness in life. Yeah, I'll tell you that Dave Ramsey, as much as he's known for financial, you know, prowess, um, he has Entree Leadership, which is for businesses. Right. He also has some good connections to, uh, there's a book called 30 Days to the Work You Love, and he's got a guy named Ken Coleman, who's now more on the career side. So he's got a lot of really good resources. If you're listening to us or know someone who is struggling, uh, you know, forward this to him and get him to go check out some of the resources that Dave has. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of resources out there, but um, yeah, but so you don't have to have tons of money to be be happier. And you, you probably take your situation. You can't do it over again. Take your situation and and position yourself to 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 be able to get ahead, to be happy down the road, have a great retirement, um, and following the same seven baby steps. Yep. You know that Dave Ramsey points out is is um, a great way to do it. Great way to position yourself. All right, good topic. And that leads up to our final thing here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this is to get some life insurance. We we and Dave Ramsey recommends anywhere from 8 to 10 times your salary. So if you're making $50,000, that'd be about a $500,000 policy. Term life insurance is uh, typically uh, makes the most sense for people. It's for a, a 10-year window, 20-year, 30-year window. Um, it's the same price for all the entire period. And uh, once, um, you know, if you get a 30-year term policy, if you've been saving for 30 years, you'll be self-insured. So, um, you know, we run across people periodically that have a lot of whole life insurance, doesn't fit their situation. Uh, Dave recommends Xander as a reasonable option. There's some folks locally here that do a good job with insurance as well. So if you have any questions on that, you can certainly reach out to us and we'll be more than happy to, uh, to take a look at your situation. Yeah. And when you're trying to figure out how much insurance to get, I like to look at, you know, look at the period when you're going to need insurance, you know, which is probably up until retirement. I mean, once you retire, you should have income coming in from, uh, you know, from your investments and from Social Security and your pensions that would hopefully, you know, carry your survivor, you know, throughout um, their retirement years. Um, but until that time, you know, you need to look at what your biggest need would be. Maybe it's when the kids go to college right before they go, having enough money to, to, to fully fund their college 
pick that high watermark where you're going to need the most insurance, the most assets to be able to carry, you know, your survivors, your dependents for the next, you know, four or five years, whatever that term is, and, and pick that level of insurance and pick the term that carries it all the way to retirement to when your survivors and your dependents would be self-sufficient. Um, so, you know, figure out what the level is. Term is pretty cheap. If you're in decent health, go get some quotes. You know, maybe it's a half million dollars of insurance. You know, I did that back, um, I don't know, 10, 10 years ago, John. I got a 20-year term policy. Mm-hmm. It was a half million dollar policy, and it was only it was less than $500 a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's re- very reasonable. Expensive. If you're in pretty good health, then, you know, and that was enough to carry my kids through college and, yeah. and get get me all the way to, you know, at least close to retirement when I'd have enough assets to, to be able to support my wife. So uh, great prescription of the week. Go out, get a good uh, term policy. Make sure you have plenty of insurance to protect your survivors. Um, but I would we would suggest do it with term insurance. Yeah. All right, well, this brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 